The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Welcome back to Spies Like Us, the podcast where we discuss the tradecraft of spy movies. This is part two of our treatment of the 1964 television series The Man from Uncle. In part one, we discussed selected episodes from seasons one and two. This time out, we will briefly discuss episodes from seasons three and four. It'll be the first episodes from each of those seasons. Uh, before we circle back and perform a more rigorous tradecraft analysis of the season three, episode one, The Hermaster's Voice Affair. From an episode with a very low sliminess factor, at least on our team's side, we yeah. go to season three, episode one, the Hermaster's Voice Affair. This is the one we're going to break down fully in terms of tradecraft. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go light on it right now and kind of save that for later. I could take a fucking sledgehammer to all, almost all the tradecraft. Give us the recap. What's, what's this episode about? It's like a private school for young women uh, that is using Brahms, what? Uh, lullaby. Brahms lullaby. lullaby. Brahms lullaby and a specific recording of Brahms lullaby to be the trigger to set off the girls into a hypnotic state. Now, the purpose of this is um, the girls all being daughters of wealthy or powerful people like diplomats or business owners, you know, large company or, you know, oil refiner, whatever they have access to a lot of information. So by using this trigger, they're set off into a hypnotic state and they can extract information from them. That's well, they the, can also give them commands it, it, and they can give it, them it, commands it, to do things. It puts them into a state where they uh, are like, okay, so what's next now? Tell me what to do. If I hear the music, right. then I am ready to receive orders. I guess Uncle gets contacted by the Japanese man, um, and I forgot why they got pulled in for that because they hadn't I discovered got, I, what was going. I got you on this one. Uh, the beginning okay. of the episode, I think the concept is that Uncle is concerned that this uh, Japanese scientist's research is not safe. Oh, that's right. That's and right. So. You know, they're they're heading to it. He says, well, the files are at my house. They're like, well, that doesn't sound very safe to us. Let's go, you know, see what's going on. And they head to his house, and they that's where they interrupt uh, the um, thrush agent uh, giving mind control orders to the, um, to, the, to the guy's daughter. And Mickey. what has just happened is they've gotten her to take the files out of the safe, memorize them. And then put the files back in and forget that she knows the information, right? And that she's and that she's ever seen the files. So now they're concerned. So they know that she's got the information in her head, mm-hmm. um, but they don't know what to do about that. So what they decide is that they need to keep her protected, and Ilya gets that job, mm-hmm. and then Napoleon Solo goes to investigate the school. Uh, for no reasons that they give us in the show that <laughs> right. I saw. But he right. turns out to be right because he discovers this entire mind control farm. And this is also a, a feature of the show that I do like is the way like the two agents always split up and and take on different aspects of the mission. Yeah. Uh, I think is enjoyable. I 
uh, we'll talk about this more when we really talk about the tradecraft. But uh, the biggest problems with the tradecraft in this episode is that these guys very much fail to communicate with each other. Yeah, and they also fail on a number of levels, which we'll get into. (laughs) Watching the rest of the episodes, I saw less creepiness. But when this is the first one that I saw of this show... And I was like, wow, this is really creepy. Cause like all the girls are like super giddy for Mr. Solo in when the, he comes in and it's kind of like, it just kept getting worse. You know what I mean? Like it was just like a guy's fantasy of having to go watch a bunch of high school girls and them like, like Googling over him or like, you know, and, and it, and it kind of felt like I was just waiting for the porn to start. You know what I mean? Because there were so many silly moments with like Miki and like the girls at the high school and like the, the 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 phys ed teacher it was just like it just over and over and over and over it was like super fetishized and i was just like oh wow so this show's just as creepy as bond so it was nice when we watched the other episodes i was like oh it was just that one episode (laughs) yeah every every young girl in this episode is completely boy crazy to an alarming degree um Sometimes I do feel like I need to step in and slightly defend the 60s. This is, quote unquote, the sexual revolution. People at the time found it somehow like refreshing, you know, coming out of the very um, repressed 50s, we're given to understand, Mm -hmm. in actually getting to see, okay, females actually being allowed to express sexual interest and desire was... You know, like it's 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 hard to wrap your head around because you know this is a long time ago. But at the time, this was actually progressive. <laughs> it really was. Like I believe Hugh Hefner, when you know when Playboy became came under attack, he was honestly taken aback. He he felt that uh, that what his magazine was doing was empowering women, and whether or not you agree with that, and and obviously the judgment of history is not on his side, but in the moment I, I kind of feel where he's coming from. It was a different time and we were playing around with some new ideas of maybe it's not horrible to say, yeah, I want to go fuck that man. (laughs) (laughs) At least. Okay. In this one, I wanted to say the thrush plan compared to the previous two episodes we talked about where I thought the plan from Thrush was very ill-defined, at least in this one, it's very clear to me what their plan is and what their modus operandi is and what their objective right. is. It's very spelled out. It makes sense. I could see it you know, being conceptualized and executed from A to B to C to result. Yeah. So there's that. And I think Thrush overall uh, demonstrates better tradecraft than Uncle, uh, although there are some horrific blunders. We'll talk yeah. about that later. The humor in this one, uh, we're, we're given to believe, or the, the lore goes, that this is uh, Batman has come out and become a monster hit in 1966, and that uh, season three of The Man from Uncle is trying to turn in toward uh, a more campy and corny direction. Uh, which you I can see. definitely see it in the action. I see it. Like, I was waiting for the wham characters to show up on the screen from the, from the action. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very, very big, broad, um, sped up big, big, big swings, big punches. Um, yeah, for sure. 
Um, the humor in this one, I thought was only tied to the like boy crazy sliminess of the girls. Um, there was one decent joke that I liked where the Japanese girl checkmates Ilya while she's just reading her mag- magazines and barely paying attention to the game. That wasn't bad. We saw Napoleon Solo, like when they found, yeah, this definitely goes to the, uh, whatever, the male fantasy kind of <laughs> bullshit where, uh, you know, when it turns out like, oh, someone's going to have to guard this cute Japanese girl. And right. you can tell that Solo is like, oh, yeah, that's going to be me. And he's visibly deflated when he realizes he's not going to get that job. Right. Uh, and he makes a very, at the school, he makes a very unsettled comment about the phys ed teacher being suitable, like very, yeah. very suitable uh, yeah. for the job. Again, it's more corny than gag driven. Uh, I'm starting to, I don't know, I'm starting to question. We have had some listeners that basically it was a response to our Get Smart episode where we called get smart the first real spy parody and we got some pushback from listeners on that which is awesome uh definitely call us out give us your own opinions we love to have a dialogue with you guys but definitely in the end i think i'm gonna stick with my guns because i think i think james bond is a parody of itself in the first place (laughs) <laughs> and i don't think i don't think this one really rises to me being able to call like this this being a a parody of james bond i think it's i think it's more just an extension um so well, i don't really see the parody in the show to begin with like you know with get smart it's obviously parodying and making fun of the genre i think this was just more campy with like those bond one line snarky comments, you know, it, it wasn't, they, they weren't making fun of the genre. You know what I'm saying? This show doesn't go as far as like, for instance, like, um, the man, uh, the man called Flint, which right. supercharges the campiness, right. Uh, bond energy. There was uh my last note was that there was a potentially a potentially, I got really excited as it was ramping up. I thought the action scene, uh, where it would going to be Napoleon Solo versus the army of mind-controlled girls um, could have played out a lot better yeah, than it does, that's... but it gets seriously deflated by just ending up with uh, him floundering around in a swimming pool surrounded by sexy little girls. Right. Yeah. Not the way I would have done it. <laughs> right. It just was relentless with all these weird moments that were kind of fetishy or like a fantasy or something. Like I seriously, every you'll hear in our recording when we watched it live, I kept going like, when is the porn starting? Because it it just felt like that. And it was really creepy and concerning, especially since they were high school, but whatever. But you know me, I do like man from Flint much more than you do. I can definitely. I can I can go for some campy, and that's why this yeah. is not my least favorite episode. It's just my second least favorite episode of the ones we watched. I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't hate any of these. Um, yeah. So so far, what what we were expecting, what we were what we were told to expect, was that season one would be dead serious. Season two stepped its toe into the pool of silliness. Season three got really silly, and then that wasn't working super well with audiences. And so they tried to dial it back 
in season four. I don't know if it's confirmation bias, just seeing what I'm expecting to see. But so far, I can vaguely, I mean, I can basically agree with that. Um, This season four episode, I think, nails it on the tone. Um, Yeah, it was much more serious. This one is easily the most solid, in my opinion, on Tradecraft. Um, up to the point oh, where it's not. There's a certain yeah. point where they suddenly yeah. say, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're just going to be ridiculous. It gets pretty ridiculous at the end there. But, yeah, no, you're right. It, it was it was really, really solid for a while. Right. Um, it, this one begins with, I think, a pretty baffling scene uh, where uh, Solo's visiting uh, uh, Uncle Headquarters in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you said Berlin. Um, definitely does seem that like they're in Germany. Uh, and uh, this one uncle agent just suddenly freaks out when just for seeing a warning light come on and right. runs out and, and frantically wants to warn Waverly back in North America uh, that there's been an infiltration. And he does that from his boss's office. You know, I mean, it would make sense like, well, first you should report to your boss, but his boss is not in the office. So uh, I guess it actually would have made still more sense for him to have some way to communicate with his boss. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, in a sealed room, he is still killed by something, I don't know, that triggers in his brain or whatever, and apparently could have been uh, activated from nearby. And there's only three people present. And so when the section chief of Europe does show up, uh, he says, well, it's obvious it's one of you three people that killed him. One of you three Mm -hmm. people is a mole. And that's uh, Napoleon Solo, our hero. Mm -hmm. Uh, The section chief's um, secretary. And also a guy which I think is like his head of security or something. Um, Right. Don't remember that guy's name right now. Should have written it Mean down. It. <laughs> yeah, but, probably. <laughs> but those are the three suspects. Um, and it's bad timing for this to happen because uh, in other news, Uncle's core code has been compromised. And the only way to reset like the master code that kind of activates all their, makes all their other codes make sense and also be secure can only be reset during a summit of all five heads of Uncle. Um, which they're going to have, I don't know, it looks like somewhere in Asia-ish, maybe? I don't know. I don't know what not the setting sure. was. Okay. But not in There was not, a river boat. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was a, Venice. It, there was some river boat something. I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a hidden location somewhere where only the he- five heads of Uncle. A know. very secluded, wild, non-urban location. Um, right. And... Yeah, like I said, like, you know, between the three characters that could be suspects, uh, we get to put our laser on each of them in different ways, in different turns, different suspicions are thrown out, different people make plays. It's really actually a very, for its time, and especially compared to the other episodes we've looked at, uh, a pretty good game of werewolf being played until they just, the episode seems to suddenly just get tired of it. And say, <laughs> guys, we're running out of time. We need to get to the action scene at the end. Right. Um, and then there's just a bunch of machine gun fire and guys falling. Right. We're not even, <laughs> we don't even need to talk about that part. That part is just like pure action at right. the end. But yeah, all this stuff goes, it, it goes well. You know, like there's, there's good reasons to suspect Solo. Solo's fake confession so that he can 
get Ilya to help him break out. Uh, there's the way that, that was really cool. That, I really liked that scene because that's that that was the the quiet conversation because they knew they were being recorded, right? That was like the hands. Oh yeah, right? the hand signals. And oh yeah, no, I, dude, I love. He's doing. He's yeah, doing the signals like chop, like karate chops. You know, yeah. like karate chop, yeah. karate chop, and that tells Ilya like to start like pretending that he's being attacked. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> uh, that was that was perfect. That was really yeah. fun. Um, I mean, the first the first person we're we're led to suspect is the secretary because uh, we literally see her co- collaborating with Thresh. Uh, right. And then she gets killed, um, but then the solo's under suspicion. But then we're thinking that uh, the head of security who wants to interrogate Solo has to right. be our guy because we know it's right. we know it's not Solo. Um, I actually maybe might have given this episode a little too much credit, like in far in as far as like the guessing game. Maybe in, at the time, like the '60s audience was just being led around by the nose. I'm not sure how sophisticated <laughs> they were, um, but you know, section head also turns his suspicion secretly on the head of security, um, right. and it all looks really great until uh, the problem for me. I, I got to flag it, even though we're not doing tradecraft on this one, but it's it's a pretty simple one, I think, to to run through. Um, Solo decides that. It can't, that secretary that died can't possibly have been the real secretary because she didn't have a spare set of glasses in her bag because right. she's nearsighted, which is a huge leap of logic. <laughs> but he turns out to be right. Right. She did fake her death. Uh, she's in league with the real mole. Um, but then the second part of it is that when they go to visit her apartment, uh, the real mole who turns out dun, 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 to be the section chief, the Berlin section chief of uncle. He's anticipated that Napoleon solo will make this ridiculous leap of logic and show up here. Yeah. Um, and then still try and pretend to be loyal. Right. Isn't he still keeping the story going? Right. Or is well, this, no, yeah. no, not, not for long. Cause they throw the section. She throws the, security chief under the bus. Right. And so it looks like it's all been, again, it looks like it's all been handled. Uh, but then the, the thing here is that um, Solo and Ilya are saying, we got to take the traitor back to interrogation in North America. And the section chief guy is like, no, this is my uh, jurisdiction. He'll be interrogated here. Mm-hmm. Uh it doesn't make any sense to me for them to insist on taking him to North America. And it also doesn't make any sense. Like even given that, like for the mole to suddenly decide like, okay, I need to reveal myself and you guys need to die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cause you know, he's got it was very bond reveal too. He could have just like, got, he, he could have just gotten on the phone with Waverly and said like, what the fuck dude, this is my jurisdiction. Yeah. What's up with your guys? Tell it, you know. And we get this in movies when there's like cross uh, department competition. There's always like the head dude always has the phone number of the other head dude. And he's like, "What's up with you guys coming and stepping on our toes here?" You know, like I would have liked to see that. That would, yeah, been you're bad. right. That would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you you think we don't help you guys out? Wait, wait, wait. You don't trust me here? I've been working with you for like twenty years, huh? 
<laughs> that would that would have been great. I would have liked to see that. But like I said, up until that part where I think it's just they just were running out of time. This should have been a two parter. This should have been yeah. a two parter. Yeah. Um. So that they would have had time to play it out like much better. Up until then, this was absolutely the best tradecraft I've seen in the show. This is the show that I want to watch. This is the show I would sign up to watch. Right. Uh, sliminess was at a refreshing zero yeah, in this episode. Right. Uh, you know, no jokes about short skirts or boy crazy girls or being, you know, suitable for the job of being a phys ed teacher. Yeah, uh, right. Also, 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 no jokes or corniness at all, except, except, wait, except there's actually, I only caught this on my last viewing. There is one joke in this episode and it's a fucking good one. You, you might've missed it because they, they, they throw it away. You know, like, you know, the term throwaway in comedy. Uh, Yeah. Okay. This is definitely a throwaway but it's a really smart, really good joke. Uh, when the villain puts our heroes into the death elevator, that is, it starts descending and gas starts pouring out, right? I don't, because there's gas, I can't see who's saying what line, but one of them says, how far down do we go? And the response is, I don't know, this is one of the new models. <laughs> right, <laughs> I see. <laughs> That's actually a really good joke. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> um. So yeah, makes uh. That's that's my favorite. That's my favorite. I would like. I would like. And apparently, so so it feels like you know the legend is true. The show had found its footing and was possibly finally on its way to being the show that it really really needed to be. And then, uh, Gunsmoke which is one of the most popular television shows of all time, which had recently been canceled after 12 seasons, suddenly got renewed and just comes along and just clobbers. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Is, I guess from the reading I've done is, is that's regarded as one of the major reasons that, but also, you know, maybe that it just took them too long to find their footing. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't understand. I gotta say, I don't understand why they were, playing around with the formula so much. If the first season was successful, they should have just stuck with it and maybe not made such wide swings in theme and tone. Well, you know, the studios are right. Anytime there's a big wave, it seems like each season was following a wave until season four. And they're like, I think we just need to get serious. But like you, like you had said, season three was Batman. And then season two was more like bond, right? Was following the Bond footsteps, maybe? I don't know. And then season, season two, four, well, the one like, we picked, we picked is is probably an anomaly. That's the one with Mister Roper in April. No, but I, wasn't what you, like like you had said? Season three was was trying to be like Batman, and season two I think was more trying to be Bond versus like season one was like kind of its own thing. All right. And then and then season four is like they're like you know what? Forget all of this. We're just gonna do the show. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's why it was better. Other than that last the end, the end of the sh- yeah. <laughs> Retinal scan complete. Validating security clearance. Clearance granted. You may now enter the briefing room. Right out of the gate, my alarm bells were just fucking ringing. I'm looking at a guy reading a newspaper three inches from his face while wearing sunglasses 
inside at night. <laughs> I I was immediately like, okay, strap ourselves in. This this could get bad on a tradecraft level. Um, would have been such a contender for one of my worst tradecraft in any other story. Uh, nearly made it, but I'll just I'll just flag it as that set the tone for me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was pretty dumb. Yeah. But he's here to meet uh, the uh, Japanese scientist to um, uh, express their concerns that his plans are not properly protected and that they want to go and, uh, I don't know, get, get a hold of them now. So like we discussed in the last episode, the idea is that uh, Uncle doesn't feel that the information this uh, scientist has is safe. So they're going to try and up the security. Um, they get to his house and there's like a milkman delivery in the middle of the night and there's no milkman at the door or in the truck. Uh, they go inside and they find the daughter and then all of a sudden there's a guy dressed like a milkman with a gun who's uh, trying to get information out of her and give her commands to memorize the information out of what she got in the safe and forget that she knows this after she's taken out of her trance. Um, it's also when we first hear the the Brahms lullaby, um, which I guess was kind of like a little clue at the beginning. But I wanted to flag this as my number one worst tradecraft. Uh, I, I think the Milkman cover in the middle of the night was probably the worst decision ever, um, especially since it's like at someone's house. And I'm sure the neighbors would be like, why are there Milkmen here? And he's not at the truck and there's no one watching the truck. And it, I don't know. It was bad. I didn't like it. Yeah, apparently, I mean, I, I I commented on that as well. That was your worst tradecraft, right? Yes. Number one? Number one worst tradecraft. Right. Yeah. The show wasn't entirely unaware of the weirdness of that, because on my last rewatching, I did notice that Solo makes a comment like, oh, wow, your milkman gives really great service. Um, <laughs> but there's no questioning of where the guy is. Um, right. Now, by the way, you said there's no milkman in the truck. Actually, there is. There's a guy hiding in the back. Oh, that's right. There's the second guy mm-hmm. after they kind of chase out the first guy. Right. Uh, I see. I and see. Yeah. and uh, there's also, uh, you know, uh, bringing the, you know, from the airport to the house, Ilya is posing as a taxi cab driver. Nice cover. Uh, I'm yeah. combining that with uh, having the backup milkman guy hiding in the truck, even though the milkman truck is a bad idea in the first place. But uh, my number two best of just the way that both sides have their their backup guys nicely placed and disguised. Right. That's, that's some, a good one. That's some okay trade yeah. I think. I'll call it my number yeah. two. Um, I like that you called it okay. Like, it's okay. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of okay in this show. <laughs> when we say number two best... We're just talking within the context of what we're watching. <laughs> right, yeah. We're not saying yeah, it's exactly. the number two best overall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think Spy Kids really we really had to dig deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was that was tough. <laughs> I've also got I've also got my number three best here. Um, you know, if we you're doing the the mind control plan which again, at least it's consistent. Also, we didn't mention that, you know, in season four, the plan again was consistent. In seasons one and two, the enemy's plan just seemed kind of all over the map, shotgunny kind of hand wavy stuff is happening. 
but I could understand the plan in this one. Right. And they're getting, they're using this uh, mind control technique to get access to the plans without anyone knowing that they've got access to the plans. Obviously it doesn't work out because they get interrupted, but it was a good plan having her memorize them and put them back and nobody would have been the wiser. My number three best plus spy points. As they make their escape, I'll throw them some plus spy points as well for stealing the cab instead of driving away with the milk truck. Uh, the cab is faster and they didn't necessarily need to leave the keys for the milk truck behind. So they make a clean right. getaway. That was, that was smart. Um, Oh, I, I had to flag this though. Like when the, did, I don't know if you caught, but when backup milkman does come out of the truck, that gun is fucking rubber. Uh, yeah, like, no, it, <laughs> it is, it is wobbly as yeah. fuck. And I would have yelled cut. Uh, can, right. <laughs> can we get, can we get, I don't know, a plastic or a wooden gun or something? Yeah. Uh, just paint it black. <laughs> something. That was, some, that was right. a rubber fucking gun. Yeah, um, I I don't know about well the other thing is when the cabs running off they start shooting randomly at it I'm not sure yeah that's that's total stupid television movie stuff uh, yeah there's no what what do you expect to happen you just you're just shooting blindly in a residential area right uh, with no nothing nothing good's gonna happen of that what about too yeah. like when milkman you know when uh, Solo's got the drop on milkman this is rewinding a little um. Milkman goes for him. Napoleon Solo literally just throws his gun to the side so that he can catch the grapple. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's if you watch but, it, it's it's not it's not good. You actually see a lot of that kind of stuff in in yeah. this series, uh, where someone's got a gun on someone, and and when the fighting starts, they just the I don't know their screen direction was liter is literally like okay, just drop the gun, you yeah. know. Uh, but in this case, it was so obvious. Like he he tosses it to the side. It's like intentional. On the <laughs> actor's part. We're gonna grapple. He might take my gun, mm. so I'm gonna throw away my gun. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah, he could have just pulled it out, right? If he if he's able to take it out to throw it away, he could take it out. No, he had it, it right? out. He had it out. Pointed at the guy. Oh, are you serious? It's even worse. It's bad. Oh my god, that's like in Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh man, that's terrible. Oh my god! Okay, yeah, I didn't catch that, and thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> that was uh, there was the um, the setup scene that establishes uh, the story to the extent that they establish it. Uh, mm -hmm. Once again, in classic the man from Uncle style, they're going to split duties between Ilya and Solo. Ilya's going to guard the girl. Solo's going to investigate the school. They did fail to explain why he's investigating the school, why they would be suspicious of the school, minus five points for that. Uh, but I did want to flag this as my number one best tradecraft. And like we said, best in this case is just what we got. Uh, but them splitting up to get more info, I, I, and it's and like we discussed in last episode, the, that the show has a theme like this where Solo and Ilya will split up and reconvene and split up and reconvene. You know, and so I thought it was really good. Ilya is on bodyguard duty and uh, Solo's on information gathering duty. So I, I kind of like that. So because it was tough to find best trade crafts, that's that's going to be my number one. All right. <laughs> uh, so we've 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 
I think we've talked about some of the best that we've got to look at so far. Uh, here's my number three worst. And only in a show like this could this be my number three worst. I mean, it's obviously it's a dumbass James Bond problem where James right. Bond, famous secret agent, travels around the world announcing who he fucking is. Uh, <laughs> Napoleon Solo. These guys have not yet realized how dumb that is. So they're doing the exact same thing uh, by having him uh, travel to the school. Now he is undercover in air quotes. Right. Uh, but he's using the name Mr. Solo as his cover. Right. Which is just, that's just low hanging fruit, but I, I got to put it in here and I'll just call it my number three worst. Um, yeah. But the cover itself is is plus by points. He's he's uh, going I in. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I I made it my number three best trade craft. Uh, what he's doing is he's claiming to represent like a wealthy client whose daughter might end up attending the school. So he's like meeting with the headmistress, talking to her. I'd like to look around your school and review and stuff like that. And that makes sense for a school like this, right? It's an all girls private and when I say private school, I don't mean like any private school. This is like world international elite children's schools, mm -hmm. right? Like all these girls are like high level diplomats or corporate owner or like tycoon types or whatever. So him, a wealthy family sending out like a rep to kind of look around the school makes sense. And it's not really, there's a lot of plausible deniability, right? It's a good, I mean, uh, it's, it's the best. I mean, it's the best cover you can do to, to gain access and get to, to see a lot of it because that's what your cover is supposed to. I mean, that's what your cover person is there to do is to gather as much information about the school as possible. Right. So it's a perfect and, cover when you're a secret agent trying to gather as much information about the school as possible. Right, exactly. And so that made my number three best tradecraft. I'm even going to put a cherry on top of that one yeah. uh, and talk about his specific cover is that he's a secretary to the Begum, B-E-G-U-M, mm -hmm. of, of a fictitious country, as far as I can tell, called Bangapool. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Little, kind of a funny funny name there um oh especially considering this fucking episode i didn't even pitch oh my god oh it just gets worse i swear <laughs> this is a porn <laughs> this whole episode was a porn without any of the sex oh my god i just i just got that just now i'm so sorry Bangapool. Oh, pool <laughs> okay he's, he's like this is foreshadowing for his nice <laughs> high school girl pool scene holy fuck it just gets worse ah <laughs> Well, never minding the fact that Bangapool is, a, as far as I can tell, a fictitious country. Uh, right. But we'll assume, I, I don't want to give it minus. Obviously, it would be really dumb to show up s saying you were from a country that doesn't exist. Right. Uh, but I'm giving them the bonus, uh, the benefit of the doubt, and and assuming that Bangapool is a country in the universe of the man from Uncle. Right. Uh, but I'm focusing more on the fact that he's the secretary to the Begum. Uh, which I checked out, and that's a that's a Muslim, generally Muslim title. Royal, uh, it's an aristocratic title, which generally is uh, like the wife or daughter of like the ruler of the country. Oh, okay. And, and 
you know, if you accept that Bangapool is a real country in this universe, I think this is a pretty solid cover that would be very difficult for them to confirm or deny that he is who he says he is. Yeah. Like if he claimed uh, to work directly for the the, the ruler. Right. That would be something you could Google or do the, you know, the 1960s equivalent of. Yeah. But the, but fact-, the fact that he works for the Begum, you know, they probably have all kinds of people working for the daughter or the wife of the ruler, oh, right? Right, right, right. But you're not going to get a complete list of, right? Right. And royal families, I think, you know, famously private, especially, I think, in the Muslim world. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not supposed to. You, you don't. You don't need to. You, you don't need to know about my wife. You know. Fuck you. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. He's out there in a safari hat, which uh, I thought was dumb. Very yeah. dumb. The uh, whole thing looks really dumb. Yeah. What's he hunting? Girls, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It gets worse. Mm. Oh, it's yeah. There's there's it, there's this episode's not subtle. <sighs> Oh, my God. Yeah. It is uh, an unfortunately amazing coincidence that Mr. Sutro, our supervillain, mm-hmm. is visiting the same day as Mr. Solo. Although, I guess it does kind of make sense because Mickey, the daughter, the Japanese daughter who has the information memorized, um, he had just recently been activated. So she, if she had come to the school that day, he was expecting her to show up and he would have gotten the info out of her. Right. Right. So, but here's the problem. He's surprised to find out that she's not here. Why is that a problem? Well, his fucking milkman agent is his driver. Right. Like at, at some point does milkman not say, Oh, Hey boss. Remember that uh, Japanese girl job? You know, we we got jumped. Yeah, and that guy over there was one of them. Right. You know, hey, yeah. funny coincidence. I got in a fist fight with that guy two nights ago. Yeah. Huh. What are the <laughs> odds? What are the odds? Crazy world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Minus spy yeah. points. Uh, and and this, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hitting my number one worst a few times because I'm combining all this into bad communication failure of people to communicate very simple, very relevant information to each other when they have plenty (laughs) of opportunity to do so. This is the first case of it. There will be more. Oh yeah. Yeah. We get a menacing smile out of the driver. I would have liked like in a real situation, I, I would have liked to stand there watching just this really awkward, menacing smile and Solo just standing there like, what? Like, yeah. Did Solo not even recognize him? He has to. Did but anybody recognize anybody? Nobody seems to, nobody really seems to be paying attention to to anything except the scene that they're in at the moment. Right. Oh, well, you know, with all the high school girls around, right? Right. It's only paying attention to right. Right. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, that was another creeper moment. The our main villains just handed out gifts to like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old girls. Like they. Oh, they love him. He's so nice. They adore him. It just gets worse, man. Like yeah, here's sugar daddy showing up. Hey ladies, I got right. gifts for you. Well, they are layering in, and it is consistent with him. He's supposed to be like just huge. Like his whole villainous. Uh, I don't know, uh, motif 
is that he's just full of money and can just spread it around lavishly. Right. That goes to the gifts. It goes to his uh, offer, you know, that, hey, Mr. Solo, like someone that uh, is well-connected as you, like, should come work for me. I pay really, really well. It's what I'm yeah. known for. And it's going to come to, you know, this, I'll, I'll just go ahead and take a jump to what I think is my best. Yeah, it is. Uh, which I had at the end of my notes, but this is a great time to bring it up. Because uh, it pertains to his, like, bottomless bag of money. At the end of the day, the headmistress of the school, who is uh, definitely complicit and involved with the whole mind control technique, we will find out at the end that uh, her school was in major financial trouble and this guy, our supervillain, swooped in to basically like underwrite the school and that she just cared so much about her girls and her school that she got, you know, so it, at the end, even though we don't see it uh, play out in the episode, but at the end, we're given to understand her as a tragic, compromised character, uh -huh. you know, um, compromised by financial difficulty uh, that right. the villain took. Uh, advantage of that makes my number one worst. I'm my number one best. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> one of the things uh, I think I liked, I, again, it was hard to find good trade craft, but they had surveillance on the entire school. So if you're using this population of, I'm sorry, uh, who's, 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 who's got surveillance over the entire school, the headmistress and the main villain, right? There's there's cameras and mics everywhere, aren't there? Oh, okay. Isn't that what was going on? Uh, I don't I don't I don't remember cameras. I know they have. Uh, well, they had mics. That's what they did. They had mics. Mics and, and I think speakers. Solo, yeah, they, they had speakers to play the Brahms lullaby and to hit everybody. But uh, when Solo was on the phone and when he was talking to the phys ed teacher, they were all listening in on the conversation. So. If, if you're going to have this mad villainous plot where you're going to take over uh, 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 an elite private school for, you know, whatever that you're going to get information out of, I, I guess tapping everything would be helpful. So uh, that made my number two best trade card. All right. Uh, during the meeting uh, where, um, you know, Headmistress is very happy to introduce Napoleon Solo to our, our wealthy uh, Mr. Sutro. You know, mm -hmm. uh, of course, you'd, you'd, you'd want to meet him. You guys are like fancy people, so we do fancy stuff. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're going to play some music and, I don't know, put on a fucking weird water show. I'm not even sure what's supposed to be going on with the girls all lined up at the pool. But yeah. right in the middle, like, uh, you know, why do we even have that record? Uh, the yeah. music box, <laughs> the Brahms lullaby starts coming out of the speakers, which is seems to be completely unintentional, unexplained, sloppy, sloppy minus five points. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Solo's got, Solo's got all the information he needs. He really does at this point. Right, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. <sighs> but we're going to get sillier. Meanwhile, over at the, the Japanese scientist's residence where Ilya is guarding Mickey, and we get more creeper fantasy moments where she's just like all over him and flirting with him. Um, uh, she well, she, well, first of all, she kind of is bored out of her mind and wants to leave the house. He won't let her. She takes his gun from him. So 
crazy minus spy points for Ilya letting like her get to his gun. But at some point, the doorbell rings and there's a delivery, and he's not even paying attention. And he's signing the paper, and the guy like basically knocks him out. You know when they try to get him. So uh, I mark this as my number two worst trade craft. It's just Ilya being the worst bodyguard ever uh, for not watching his gun and really being weary of anybody visiting the house. And on top of that, when Mickey's like clearly expressed that she wants to leave, he's not really paying attention to her for that time when she like sneaks out. So I just wanted to mark this as my number two worst trade craft was just Ilya being the worst bodyguard ever. Sure. Um, Yeah. There's no team. It's just Ilya. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, and again, no communication. The first thing that happened. Okay. The first thing I, I mean, okay. I could see guarding her at her house. That seems okay. The first there's two, there's basically two attempts to liberate Mickey. The first fails. And that's the one you're talking about where they show up with a delivery and like, just, you know, sucker punch him while he's uh, signing the paper or something. Yeah. But she pulls out the sword or something. Right. Right. With the sword. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I've got an anecdote about, Uh, (laughs) but uh, let's see. Let's see. All right. So that's how they, they managed to like, you know, fend off the attackers. Right. Mm -hmm. But what do you do after that? Do you still stay at the house? No. Minus. Yeah. They should have. Yeah. They should have taken her to like uncle headquarters or or like a, if you're this big of an uh, agency, you would have safe houses somewhere. Do you bring in a team? Even if you stupidly forgot to have a team in place in the first place. Yes. No. (laughs) Minus spy points. Oh, well, I'm saying they should have. Yes. And you're saying they didn't. Do you, do you, do you, do you let anybody know what happened? No. (laughs) Minus high points. That's again going to my poor communication, number one worst. He doesn't even tell, you know, Solo or report back to Waverly or anything that like, hey, you know, they, they just tried to make a play for Mickey. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also, it was weird. Like, okay, so, and then back on the thrush side, too, when they come in to try to grab Mickey, they brought uh, a, the record, the Brahms lullaby record with them. No, they didn't. Okay, Remember, how does this work? It, it, uh, Solo found out about Brahms lullaby and wanted Ilya to go get the record and play it in front of Mickey to see what happened. So that's happened. the delivery. That was what the delivery was, was the record. But it's not the right Brahms lullaby, so it doesn't work on her. It had to be the specific music box one. They got, like, some jazzed-up version or something. Or, like, like a, a Dixie Town remix of Brahms lullaby. <laughs> right. Like, it's super jazz, and it doesn't work on her. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's all, that's all good. That's all solid. Um, but I, I need to back up a little bit in time to get to my number two worst. Okay. Now we're just talking about, as you say, like, okay, so we did notice Solo's got all the information he needs. He doesn't, I don't think he even needs to stay in place at the school. Right. I think he could have just left with the information he's got. Right. Um, but we just talked about, he is communic. Okay. Granted, we'll give you this. You did communicate to Ilya. It's something to do with Brahms Lullaby. 
order a record, play it for her, see what happens, something like that, blah, 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 blah. The way he opens this up is he's on his little communicator thing, and he says, Ilya, I haven't finished sweeping the room for bugs, but I need to tell you something really important. Right. Okay. What's wrong with this fucking... What's wrong with this? Right. Do I have to spell it out? No, but I will. Yeah. If you didn't sweep for bugs, why are you talking about something really important? Um, but yeah, that's how they're able to get the information that they're going to try and get the record. So the delivery of that record is why, why they're able to send some uh, thrush guys. Isn't uh, yeah, the, no, it was, isn't it was that bad. the entire purpose of sweeping the room for bugs? Right. Is to make sure that there aren't any bugs. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. That's a pretty bad one. Yeah. Uh, Moving on. I had the anecdote. I, okay. So, uh, and then uh, flash forward. Uh, we do resist the first attempt to, uh, you know, for Thrush to liberate liberate Mickey uh, mm-hmm. from Ilya's very clumsy uh, solo, non communicative bodyguard duties. Uh, and it ends with him, you know, getting a samurai sword. Aha! You know, wah, 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 wah. And, and yeah. they're like, oh, no. And they run away. Um, this brings to mind something that I just found out recently. I, I just have to bring it up, even though it has nothing to do with uh, the man from Uncle. In the first season of Star Trek, uh, there's, a, there's an episode where, I don't know, everyone's kind of going crazy. And Sulu... You you might even though you've never seen the series, you might have seen him shirtless with a sword. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. Right. Where he's like kind of fencing. Yeah. yeah. I've seen I've seen that clip a million times. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um there's a reason that that uh scene is the only scene where we ever see Sulu with a sword. And the reason is this. He had so much fucking fun waving that thing around on set (laughs) that all of the cast went to Gene Roddenberry behind his back and said, dude, this is not fucking safe. You cannot let George Takei have a sword. (laughs) I will walk. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty, that's pretty funny. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's pretty good. Um, so as you said, they, they do have the ability to play the music through like all sorts of channels through the, you know, loudspeakers out on the field, uh-huh. but also through her, I guess, like, uh, the Alarm radio that, or something. Yeah. yeah the radio. Yeah. Yeah. That, that phys ed teacher has in her room so that they can give her the command, like go and kill solo, kill solo. And he is, when she comes up behind him he is really really so obviously stupidly obsessed with looking out the window uh for no for no reason because he's heard the music dude you can tell the music is not coming from first of all the music is not coming from outside you can hear it coming from the next room (laughs) right the music is in the house yeah and and he's so it's it's really it's it's actually pretty bad acting how um Obviously, like the director said, like, you just got to keep peering out the window, peering out the window. And then the fact that she misses for no reasons. Also right, it's not like he dodged her. Mm-hmm. She missed. Oh, by a mile. Yeah. It, it, that was, yeah, that, that was probably the worst scene of the entire episode. It's Yeah, yeah. 
just as in terms of like action logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rough. Rough. Um so after that, uh you know, they find okay, so they the villain people, the headmistress and the groundskeeper, like find them in the room. It looks really shady. Uh she says, like, you you gotta you gotta get out of here by morning. You know, we're mm. we're 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 done tolerating with your nonsense, Mr. Solo. Um <laughs> now again, I said before, like Milkman should have briefed uh Mr. Sutro, our supervillain. Definitely should have let Headmister in on this. Like they absolutely, they know who he is by now. They have to. Right. They right. have to. <laughs> yeah. So you don't, um, you don't say, you know, be gone by morning. You fucking deal with them now. Right. So again, <laughs> that goes to part of my number one worst, like just bad communication. In this case, it's Thrush. Thrush is not. You know, Milkman. We know that Milkman isn't mute. That was one of my theories. I thought back, like, I thought, like, wait, maybe Milkman can't talk. But then I remembered, no, he's talking in the very first scene. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, just um, just rough. And then we go back, cycling, uh, back to now. This is the second attempt to liberate Mickey. This one will be successful. And mm. this is when uh, Miss Partridge, that's the he- headmistress, uh calls Japanese girl's house where she's being quote unquote protected by Ilya mm-hmm. and says, I want to talk to Mickey, and Ilya just hands the phone over. Right. I think the idea was that she's the headmistress. Well, oh, this goes back to your lack of communication. I see what you're doing. Yeah. They're suspicious. They're suspicious of the school in the first part of the movie yeah or the show <laughs> which they never explained but right they're right to be suspicious um solo has given Ilya plenty of communicate like plenty of i, I don't even want to say opportunity to give him the information i think he has given them the information something's fucking shady with the school and it has to right. do with like i don't know mind control lullaby shit and if when the head person of the school calls First and again, I said before, like after being attacked here, like you shouldn't even be here, right? Like that phone call should have gone to voicemail <laughs> or whatever. And why aren't they tapping the phones to hear the conversation to begin with? Mm-hmm. And and he just he just hands it over and says, "Oh yeah, the lady from the school wants to talk to you." <laughs> my spy points, and I think yeah. that's I think that I think that wraps up all of my uh, uh, number one worst uh, combination yeah. of all the bad communication. No, it's a good point. There is an exorbitant amount of lack of communication. It's just it's isn't it's, even discussed. Yeah. In every individual scene, what people are doing makes okay sense, but mm-hmm. none of the actors are raising their hands and saying, Hey, wait a second, wouldn't I know blah 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 by now? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um a little bit of minus spy points having the supervillain personally show up to pick up Mickey. That's not how you should do your ops. You send milk right. right. Over back in the school, uh, we find out, uh, okay, Ber- Bergwine, the phys ed teacher, uh, uh, she's got access to the safe combination where Partridge keeps the special Brahms lullaby tape. 
this is some this is minus my points. You don't keep the tape in. I mean, it's okay if you need to, like you know, because apparently she went off on a trip. She needed someone to have access to. I don't know the secret, uh, the the confidential school files or whatever. Right. So maybe you do give access to that to a subordinate or whatever. But that is not the place where you keep the fucking tape. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I see. I see. Then that um, when when we did, I don't know. We're jumping back and forth between Solo and Ilya a lot, but uh, yeah. I guess I, I guess we're back to we're back to Ilya. Uh, after Mickey does get successfully uh, mind controlled into walking out, and then he gets ambushed, uh, so it's a much it's a it's a successful Mickey extraction as opposed to the first one, which failed. Um, they managed to get Ilya arrested for drunkenness and illegal possession of firearms, but he can just like walk out of the police station, uh, whatever. <laughs> Uh, whip shot back to the school where uh, I guess Solo is again. He's he's really agonizingly slowly putting together the pieces of the way the Brahms lullaby thing works. Groundskeeper guy shows up with his shotgun just in time for plot stuff. Uh, made no sense to me, like why he shows up now, except it's just time to do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then take a very big bondy villainous moment where the phys ed teacher and solo are taken custody from the groundskeeper. And then he takes him to the office where our super villain and the headmistress are, and they just perform the mind control technique right in front of them while they're extracting the information. So I want to, I wanted to mark this my number three worst tradecraft. Uh, why are they showing what they do in front of Solo when they know he's an agent? Um, I don't think it's a good idea. And why are they handwriting the notes of what she's saying when they can just record it? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, he's just got his little pencil and notepad minus five points for that. But it's it's standard it's standard bullshit stuff that they I guess are just borrowing from Bond, or maybe it was prevalent in other uh, stories of the time. Is like. At the end of the, near the end of the episode, arrange for a situation where the villains can literally explain their entire plot to the hero. And so much has been made of that. You know, we're not, this is not a hot take coming from the spies like us guys. (laughs) You know, this is known tropey nonsense. Um, But yeah, it's, it's here. Solo, how does, oh yeah, oh yeah, Solo does a standard, like, rush the guy with the shotgun, the guy with the shotgun just, like, probably tosses it aside or drops it or whatever, um, yeah. you know, so he can get knocked out, so Solo can go out onto the field, where I got really excited, I actually got really excited, you probably remember me getting really excited, I thought this could have been a really great action scene with all the girls, because they're out there, and they've got, oh my god, they they press edge this so yeah. well. They've got, you know, they're practicing archery. They're practicing uh-huh. uh, skeet shooting. Yeah. Uh, some of them are throwing fucking javelins. And what else? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's some that are fencing. Like, they've got all the weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and when he's running out there onto the field, and then that mind control music starts getting played on the loudspeakers, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this could be epic. But, nope, it... Uh, it's just silly. 
It's another beginning to another porn film. That's that's. I'm I'm just gonna hammer this every single time. All right. <laughs> um, and then okay, and then now just uh, I don't know, just bullshit points. Like at the beginning, when they uh, you know, they have science. They have their uncle scientists uh, studying Mickey, and they have no idea like how to cure her. But now they suddenly can. At the end. Because it's the yeah. end of the episode, and it's time to wrap things up. <laughs> and unless you had more to add, no. uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap up this tradecraft analysis of the man from Uncle. I hope that we weren't too brutal. I, I mean, on tradecraft on this this episode, deserved it. Yeah, um, absolutely, for sure. Of all the episodes we watched, this, yeah. Let's uh, let's head into let's head into uh, debriefing, make our mea culpa, and explain that uh, you know just because the tradecraft is really shitty in this particular episode doesn't mean we necessarily super hated the show. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. I said it before in the previous episode. I really do enjoy Robert Vaughn. I think he's perfectly cast and does a good job uh, in, in this, in this character uh, or at least, uh, you know, as an actor, Um, you made the comment before we don't ever actually like the characters are very two dimensional and that's true. Yeah. But to the extent that they are two dimensional, uh, I like Robert Vaughn. I like David McCallum. I like their chemistry together. Um, I've said it before. I really do like that. I I like the way in every episode, the two guys like split up and handle different aspects of the job, which Mm -hmm. I think could have been done better in some cases, especially in the episode we just talked about. Um, but overall thumbs up on that element. Um, for me, 1960s television. I mean, I'm a, big huge star trek fan i love the original series that is a five for me when it comes to star rating uh just you know it's a personal five i'll defend it to the grave except for (laughs) except for except for those certain episodes when they said hey guys we don't have any money for a alien planet today so we're just gonna head over and and borrow the uh 1930s chicago set for an episode <laughs> those suck uh so it's an unfair comparison possibly for me to compare this to star trek of 1966 um but that's kind of how i have to think of it for me to rate this for my personalness um i'm gonna give it a three i'm gonna give it a three which is okay so we're talking about a television series i i'm gonna stick with a three in the middle but because it is four different episodes with very different flavors i feel like i could also uh just be allowed to give it a comment that that season four episode we watched if the whole series had been like that this would have been a 3.5 for me okay yeah For me, um, this is kind of like giving everybody an idea of how up until recently where like all the good film directors moved into television, I've never liked television drama. I mean, when I was a kid, I watched like, you know, Mission Impossible and like the A-Team. 
but in general, growing up, I, I did not like television. So going back and seeing this like kind of choppy format of just moving the plot along was really rough for me. But I do agree with Todd that Robert Vaughn and David McCallum, they have really good chemistry. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about any of the actors that we saw. I think it was generally just the fact that it's a really choppy television show. And there was a lot of cheese and camp and a lot of like, you know, just, hey, we just got to move this along. So I'm probably going to go with a two on this. But um, I, I think, especially like you'd said, after seeing season four, I, th- I think I would have liked it more if most of the show was like that. Um, or that season two one where we got to see Mr. Roper. Like that's that season two one was really great just because they were really ahead of their time with that. You know, there was no love interest. Here's two characters and, and the comedy was real. It was like legitimate comedy where everything was kind of like, it wasn't like shoehorned or forced, you know what I mean? So I, I think maybe if I was around that time period, I would have enjoyed the show more. But I, I am super happy we watched this specifically because we work on this podcast because it was great to kind of see some influences that I in, in films that I have watched and liked. So, but I think I'm going to go with a two on this one. Like I would not recommend anybody watch this show unless you're really into like that time period of television. Or if you're like us and you just are spy nerds that want to watch spy films all the time. Uh, so I, I, I don't, this is not something I'd say, hey, you got to go out and watch this. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with a two. Yeah, sure. Uh, I really like your comments on that, especially uh, I'm looking I'm looking very much forward to revisiting Mission Impossible, uh, mm-hmm. the old TV series, because that was one that I remember actively enjoying. Um you know, not when it came out because I was not born yet, uh, but when it showed up in in syndication. Um, but it's been a long time since I've seen it, and and also like shows like The Prisoner, uh, I think are going to get. I, I hope we'll get higher ratings. Um, yeah. Uh, from you when we visit them, but I'm 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 really glad that you uh, ac- actually you know are aware of and have seen and appreciated the Mission Impossible stories because I think those were nicely like always intricately plotted. Yeah, uh, which is something that this show wasn't. I I felt like I needed to make this other comment too. Like season one, uh, you know, it comes down to like whether uh, Uncle or Thrush is being the silly one. Like in season one episode that we watched, the Brain Killer, like mm-hmm. both both teams were serious. Yeah. In the second, in the Moon Glow affair. I felt like uncle was played serious in a way that I appreciated while the villains were silly as fuck right. in the season three <laughs> episode, both teams were silly. Right. And, and kind of dumb and campy. And then in season four, they returned to like both teams being uh, able to be taken seriously in the moves that they yeah. made. And so that's why I think this one wobbles around um, a bit uh let's review that uh tradecraft so that we can launch into our park bench rating uh number three best from todd uh you know the the 
the plan, the whole hypnosis plan, it makes sense. And I like the idea you get access to the plans without anybody knowing that you got access to them. Decent. Number two best, Ilya posing as a cab driver. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even necessary. It was just a nice precaution because Japanese guys supposedly on our side. But hey, right. why not be extra careful? Mm. Right. I could I could dig that. And uh, even though it was just a, like a throwaway at the end when we found out that uh, Miss Partridge, um, you know, fell into the clutches of Thrush due to one of our MICE. In this case, it would be compromise, right? right. Financial, yep. financial difficulties. Yeah. Uh, you know, clocks with actual tradecraft. And so I'll call that my number one best in an otherwise very silly episode. <laughs> what what? What uh, what what gems were you able to uh, dig out of this rock? Uh, my number three was Solo's cover for reviewing the school for like a wealthy client. Um, I I thought it was very believable and had a lot of plausible deniability. Um, my number two best tradecraft was uh, the surveillance, like bugging all the places at the school. Um, uh, especially if like, you know, you, that, that way they could keep tabs on everything. Uh, but my number one best trade craft was splitting up, uh, which you, you know, very well pointed out that that's kind of a thing throughout the whole television show is that Ilya and Solo split up to do their own thing. And I, th- and I think it's kind of cool that they're able to get information and kind of reconvene at some point, except for that one episode that we just did. Right. Except uh, when yeah. they don't. <laughs> yeah. Except when they don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Your worst tradecraft? Oh, well, let's see. You know, it's again, it's super low hanging fruit, but don't use your own name as your cover name. Yeah. You know, be Mr. Smith. I don't know. Just fucking right. use some imagination. <laughs> number three worst. Number two worst could have been my number one, but because it's really bad and it's really blatant. And I love it. Uh, and it's one of those that, that, like, I rub my hands together with glee when I find these, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't finished sweeping the room for bugs, but let's talk about our secret plan. Right. <laughs> Would have easily been my number one worst, except I had so many on my list. And then when I realized that there was a recurring theme between a bunch of them, I decided I'm going to make, okay, no, I'm going to make this my number one worst. And I'm just going to wrap up all of this complete lack of communication. Yeah. Uh, Between scenes. My number three worst tradecraft was uh, the, the very bond like plan at the end when they're trying to get the info for Mickey, they shouldn't have done that in front of solo. There should have been a separate room that they did it. There's no reason for anybody to see how they do it or what they're doing or why they're doing it. Um, my number two worst tradecraft was just Ilya being the worst bodyguard. I don't think I have to recover that again. It was pretty bad. Uh, number one worst tradecraft was the Milkman cover in the middle of the night. I it, uh, Probably the one thing that would stick out anywhere if you're going to try it. There's probably some other covers they could have used, and that was the worst one. Milkman at night. Milkman yeah. at night. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Which is another setting for a porn <laughs> film. I'm here to deliver the milk. <laughs> but it's midnight. 
Ah, uh, I've got some extra service. You've reminded me. I'm glad uh, you've reminded me. I actually do want to check out that podcast. We talked about it uh, a little while we were watching the film. There's, again, a podcast where they uh, review the plot part, only the plot parts, mind you, of porn films. <laughs> That's they don't, pretty funny. They don't, rate the, they don't talk about the sex at all. They just right. talk about the plot, <laughs> yeah. uh, which sounds very hilarious to me. I need to put that on a post-it because I, I want to check that one out. Uh, that sounds yeah. fucking hilarious to me. Let's give this a park bench rating. I've got a starting bid in mind. You want to hear it? One. <laughs> do you have? Do 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 you have our? Uh, you know, uh, let's let's make sure we have our our sheet up where we I can look have... at. The sheet what we've what we've given before you know uh one is uh, spice like us got a one dude man who knew too little got a one i think we can start the bidding with a two uh, iffy. i know it's iffy our twos are la femme nikita red and garrick um no, well, I'm looking at it again. No, this is this has got to be a 1.5, right? This is right there with Get Smart. Get Smart, the movie, yeah. The movie. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, I'm going to – I, I, I like the a TV 1. show. 5. I don't think the T- – we haven't done a podcast about the Get Smart TV show. I don't think the TV show would have gotten a 1.5. I think it would be probably down in the 0. 0.5 dumpster yeah. area. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is – I mean, it's – dude, it's got to be higher than Spies Like Us. I will die on Definitely. that hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like I like a one point five. That sounds that sounds really good. Yeah, let's go with one point five. All Unless right. you have any arguments otherwise. No, no. I, looking at it now again, like against our twos, uh, which were you know Lefem Nikita, Red, and Garrick. Yeah, those definitely deserve to be put up above uh, the man from Uncle. Yeah. Um, although you know it had that potential, I think you know that potential was there. You take that episode from season four, you, uh-huh. make, you make that a two-parter, and you also mix in, change change it so that every episode we're looking at two different agents, you know, maybe right. like three teams total, and uh-huh. and then I think that, that's, that, that could have been an amazing show. And I wonder if there's some equivalent of that that could be made today. Um, possibly not. That ship might have sailed. No problem. And then after this, what do we? Uh, what's do we have anything? Oh, let's see. What's coming up after this? Oh, well, we're supposed to be talking in talks with uh, the Body of Lies guy. He hasn't gotten back to me. All right. Well, All right, so I guess um, we'll we'll see what we're doing then. I was thinking about doing a Mission Impossible movie. Am I three? Is it time? Yeah. Am Somebody I on our Facebook page was no. Someone on Twitter. Gave us a shout out, and uh, some guy was talking about Mission Impossible. So I, I I did tweet back to them and said we're doing MI three soon. So all right, there we go. We'll just do MI three. Right. Yeah. Unless unless Body of Lies guys guy does decide to show jump up. in. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Looking forward to it, buddy. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. This was fun. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. 
you know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin MacLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.